Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Our guest this week is our editor at RollBamaRoll.com. He's coming on to talk recruiting as the early signing period approaches. He's Brent Taylor. Brent, we appreciate you coming on with us. Yeah. Hey, guys. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we're going to mostly hit on what's happening with Alabama's class, some of their commitments, some uncommitted targets still out there, uh, and how everything's shaping up for Nick Saban. But we did want to touch on a few programs outside of Alabama's. And with the news that Ole Miss has hired Lane Kiffin, we obviously expect him to make some noise on the recruiting trail. But when the dust settles, is this something that will actually affect Alabama? Um, I, I don't really think so. As of right now, Ole Miss only has some three-star commitments. They don't even have a four-star guy in their class so far. One of their guys is Dericky Wright, which if them roll for a while, he, he was committed to Alabama and was actually one of my favorites, I guess, a three-star recruit. He's kind of that 6'4", 220, plays linebacker, safety, plays on offense. And I, I just love those players. But aside from that... Ole Miss is already in the running for a few guys in state, which I think we'll hit on that later on. But you've got like McKinley Jackson, and uh, I guess there's a couple other linemen. Really, it's all just defensive linemen from the state. So that's where Kiffin might affect it. But I mean, ultimately, it's three, four star guys that Alabama has a slim chance at anyway. Brad, I think this is a death sentence for Mississippi State. Like, if you're 18 and you're a prospect in Mississippi, who appeals to you more, Lane at Ole Miss or Joe Moorhead in Starkville? I know what my answer is. Yeah, no, I mean, Lane Kiffin's about to pull a Brian Kelly here and put Mississippi State on a sky lift. So uh, this is not going to end well. And from what I hear, too, you ask if it's going to affect on the recruiting trail. I, from what I hear of who you know he may be hiring to help recruit, it's going to affect the recruiting trail in more ways than one, if you know the, the, the story. <laughs> uh, uh, have you guys heard this, that, that there are rumors Lane Kiffin might add Lance Thompson to his staff? No, I had not heard that one. Uh, mm. Can you picture yeah. Lance, Lane, and the co-eds in Oxford? Mm. It's going to be a party <laughs> with a lot of red solo cups. Uh, but I, I think like this hire could hurt Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee as well. And I don't know if that's something that a lot of people have thought about. They've gained some traction in Memphis since Pruitt took the job. And Memphis is somewhere Tennessee has struggled with some historically, but they got Eric Gray in the last cycle and they have five commitments from the city of Memphis this cycle. So with Lane entering the fold and and the proximity factor with Ole Miss and Memphis, I doubt Jeremy Pruitt is excited about Lane. No, and it's going to hurt Memphis, too. Not only, you know, just the obvious, but it includes them replacing Mike Norvell now. You know, so they're already behind twice coming out the gate. And Lane's got certain regions and cities that he's always going to continue a connection at. And, of course, some of that there is in western Tennessee and north Alabama, but not as much as Pruitt. But I fully expect him to come out the gate firing. And, you know, he's already proven that coaching-wise. And in terms of who he's targeting, it won't be much longer with, you know, a week to go in terms of recruiting. When we recorded our recruiting episode a few months ago, it was like a midway recruiting episode. We we hit on the most disappointing classes in the nation. And we talked about USC's, who at the time had Bryce Young committed. Now, fast forward to now, Bryce Young is committed to Alabama and things have kind of gotten worse for USC. They have the 81st ranked class in the country. 82nd, one spot behind them is Georgia State. 
Brent, can can either can or either of you can you believe that Clay Hilton is getting another season at Southern Cal? There's no reason to keep him right now. So my favorite part is that just a second ago I said that Ole Miss had no four stars in their class. <laughs> well, as of right now, USC is about forty ranks behind Ole Miss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just just let just pause, let that sink in, and enjoy it. That is yeah. what, what's higher. What, what's higher? Clay Helton's ranking in national coaches or USC's rec- uh, recruiting class? <laughs> <laughs> I, look, I counted. There are 17 group of five teams ranked ahead of them right now. And maybe the biggest indictment on Clay Helton and his staff is that I can sit here and say for a fact, Kansas is ranked literally 40 spots ahead of USC in recruiting 40 in football. So that said, uh, they do have a just a whole bunch of recruits out of, I mean, so you got Justin Flo, you got Kelly Ringo, you got Darnell Washington, California, Arizona, Nevada. And these are all top 10 players. And I mean, technically USC is in the running for all three. So who knows? They might finish strong. But are they though? But <laughs> yeah, are they but really? They're basically going to lose. I mean, all three of those guys right out of their backyard. And then let's see, running back Zach Evans has in the past been kind of linked to them. Now I think everybody's thinking LSU for that. But the the most interesting part about their whole class is basically everyone they've got is from California. They got one guy from Washington. Two guys from Arizona, which is basically California, and then two guys out of Texas. So they're, I mean, their national reach is just dropping and they're losing, you know, the top players out of their own state. And that's what's crazy to me, too, is, you know, not only just centric on USC, right now, there's no more apt time to take advantage of a situation in a region than there is in that California recruiting hotbed. And USC, they can't get out of their own way. And nobody else, um, you know, Alabama will pull what they want, obviously, with Bryce Young. But it's hard for somebody to grasp hold when you would think five years ago, you know, it's almost impossible to be where we're at now. And um, Cristobal, I think, is probably going to do the best out of anyone. But even with Clay, I I don't get – there wasn't a recruit tied to him like how we have with Sark. There's not a recruit tied to Clay of why you want to keep him as well. Um, because he, like you just said, Brent, the, the top three people in that entire tri-state area, they're not, they're probably not going to go to USC. I mean, it, it's just abysmal what's happened. Look, every time that I see USC's ranking, I like to think if I had a time machine and I could go back and tell myself in 2004 that one day I would look at the recruiting rankings and I would see USC at 81st, I would literally, I would have bet my life against it. I would have bet my my entire life against it. You think they regret dropping Ed Orgeron yet? Oh, my gosh. I regret them dropping Ed Orgeron right now. (laughs) Yeah, it was the best thing Ed Orgeron in his uh, self-created representation company could ever have happen to them. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's move on to Alabama and their standing with things. Uh, Last week, we were hearing that the chances of Pete Golding remaining on staff were good. Now, this week... We're kind of hearing the opposite, that there's more of a possibility that he's gone. And it doesn't seem like everybody really has a grasp or anything concrete on this. So have either of you heard anything regarding Pete Golding, his future at Alabama? And if he is let go, 
presumably after the early signing period, will it affect Alabama at all in the late period? I've only heard hopes and wishes from the fans so far. Um, <laughs> but if Golding does go, I don't really think that would be a huge hit to Alabama's recruiting. I mean, for the most part, everybody's going to be signed by the time Alabama announces anything anyway. And even so, I've not really heard Golding connected to a whole lot of recruits like guys like Carl Scott have been. So I I don't know. I, I don't think there would be that big of an impact. Yeah, I've kind of, through a veil, if you've been listening for the last month, indicated of what's going to happen. And after the Iron Bowl, it didn't change uh, in terms of what I heard. So the expectation as of now is how I've put it for three, almost a month now. And that's, there's going to be a great opportunity for he and his family. And he thanks coach Saban for everything he did. Um, and he, he is what he is in terms of a recruiter. He's not as bad as Brent key at times, but he's not up to par either. And I look, I, I, I don't think it's going to hurt us overall because it's going to come down to after signing day, after this happens, if and when it happens, who steps into that role in that spot? Because he's not the only coach that's going to be going off the defensive side. There's also going to be another opening. That's going to really be what hurts Alabama or not is that next man that's going to fill that role. Because Pete isn't, like Brent said, he's not really tied to anybody. Yeah, and if that other defensive coach is, is in fact, let go, I do have a story for this podcast that I'm not going to tell while he's employed by the University of Alabama, but I will. The day after he is let go, I promise. It's, oh, it's I can't pretty wait funny. for that one. And it's directly connected to me, as weird as that sounds. Um, mm. it, it, but look, Golding had an exceptional year in the 19 class, but he just hasn't duplicated that at all this cycle. Like, I could see it. I know he, he went in home, right, Brent, with uh, McKinley Jackson. Right, yeah. Yeah, so so maybe Man, I, I it think affects he's in him. with Drew Sanders, too. Okay. I think Drew Sanders is pretty locked in, though. He has been for a long time. And yeah, I've, I've not heard another word. Okay, so so outside of maybe McKinley Jackson, I, I don't really see it mattering that much either. Uh, but on the other side of the ball, we've also talked about Steve Sarkeesian and and some of the rumors of interest from other schools and how that might affect the recruitment of five-star quarterback Bryce Young. It seems like all of that has kind of been shored up. Sark has turned down some opportunities elsewhere. Bryce Young has come out and said his commitment is solid, even if Tua decides to return. So with it looking like Bryce Young is locked in, where does his signing rank in the Saban era of recruiting? Because I think he's in that first tier. Yeah, he's got to be up there with the pulling Julio Jones and pulling the Quanjo brothers. And let's see, who's another? Trent Richardson was a huge pull Mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah, Tua, Reuben Foster, so, Dylan, some of those Blake, guys. Yeah. Blake Barnett, even though Barnett never panned out, that was kind of the first huge quarterback to commit to Alabama. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was also from California. So that kind of set a precedent of pulling Barnett and then Tua Tagovailoa, and now Bryce Young. But I, I think Young is set. But just to make sure, I hope Sarkeesian stays through signing day. Uh, but he, even bigger going forward, I would – I would love to keep Steve Sarkeesian. I I think he's done a great job, and a lot of people don't really love his style compared to some of the older Alabama offenses, but it's I really love Sarkeesian's style. And on top of that, just the way quarterbacks keep saying he is a reason they want to come to Alabama, 
I want to keep that going in the future. I don't want that to end with Bryce Young. Yeah, no, 100%. I don't think it's talked about enough, the the tale of what happened this year with Sark. You know, from the outrage and overreaction at the beginning of the year to the job he did. Everything's been defense-focused, injury, and, and penalty-focused. But in the end of the day, Sark did a hell of a job calling plays throughout the year. Anyone can pinpoint any plays, but he damn sure is not a Doug Nussmeyer. So, you know, <laughs> we have that going for us. Um, but I would say this. Just in terms of how Julio is viewed uh, for that type of recruit of Nick Saban at Alabama, he was the one that set that standard, that precedence, and, you know, that, that cornerstone. And that's at the beginning of the chapter of Alabama for Saban. I think Bryce Young is that at the ending of this chapter, so to speak, for Nick Saban. Not saying he's going to be done in three years, but I think we're a lot closer than people realize. And Bryce is that type of recruit to get Alabama back to where it wants to be after the last two seasons and also get Nick over that hump of being tied with Bear Bryant. Just my opinion. Known to be wrong. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. I, I put it in that same league as Julio and Tua and Ruben Foster and those guys because to me, kind of to echo what you were saying, it signifies that Nick Saban can keep this elite offensive lot alive and extend this run. Uh, like a lot of media people are kind of planning Nick Saban's football funeral, right? And, and I think when he trots a quarterback out like Bryce Young, they might realize maybe they started, you know, writing that obituary a little bit too soon. Yeah, let me just say I've never seen a funeral take five years like the one this dynasty has had. So <laughs> they've been writing, they've been trying to plan that funeral for a decade. <laughs> it's the longest wake in history. <laughs> that one started in 2014. That's right. Yeah. Um, we did. We got some drama this week on the recruiting trail with the commitment of in-state four-star offensive lineman Javion Cohen from Phoenix City, Alabama. Cohen had been committed to Auburn for months. He started flirting with Alabama some recently. The visits started racking up and, and things kind of started trending Alabama's way. Last Sunday, he sent a text to Gus Malzahn, allegedly, to decommit from Auburn. After the text, Auburn basically came out and said publicly, publicly that they pulled his offer before he could announce a flip to Alabama. Cohen, in turn screenshots his text conversation with Gus <laughs> where he decommitted and he posted it on Twitter to prove that Auburn did not pull his offer. I have a feeling this is Brad's new favorite player. Oh, absolutely. I already tweeted it out. That's my son. I'm one proud ass dad. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> uh, Brent, what, like what kind of player have you heard anything about the type of player that Cohen is? Because this has kind of just come out of nowhere the last month or so. I feel like. Well, first of all, his head is in the right place. We we know that for sure now. <laughs> but so if you read, I posted an article at Roll Bama Roll a few days ago, kind of breaking down all the losses Alabama was going to have on their roster going into next year and the recruits that Alabama already had and who else they need. And kind of looking at it, Alabama's losing anywhere from one offensive lineman to I think six of them just depending on transfers, who goes pro, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, commitment-wise, they only had a three-star center, who's very underrated in my opinion, but Seth McLaughlin, McLaughlin, however you say his name, and a gigantic three-star offensive tackle, Damian George, who is 
I would not say underrated, but he does have a lot of size and potential, you know, for whatever that's worth. Mm -hmm. Uh, But Alabama really, really needed an offensive lineman, and Cohen was really the top, kind of the top option there of who was left. There's just not a lot of good offensive linemen in this class that are really connected to Alabama. So he was one I was already holding out hope for. But he, he's a guy, he's a little thin, so he's 6'5", 290-ish, and is absolutely an offensive tackle. He's, he's not going to work out as a guard or a center, I wouldn't think. But he's a great pass, great pass blocker, um, a little more struggles a little bit in the run game. But the fun thing to watch with him is his hand usage. He'll, he'll kind of remind you of Jedrick Wills in a way, in that every, basically every blocking rep, he looks like he's in an MMA fight. He's swatting hands away. He's hitting somebody in the shoulder, punching them to the ground. It's a lot of fun to watch. So I have very high hopes for Javi and Cohen. All right, Brent. We want to do a kind of a few quick hitters on some uncommitted prospects and, and where you feel Alabama stands in their recruitment. So we're going to start with the wide receivers. Alabama has one spot left there. It seems like four-star Arian Smith and five-star LSU commitment Rakim Jarrett are the two highest on the board. Do you think Alabama signs one of those two? I think Alabama has a very, very good shot with Arian Smith, and he's he's a lot of fun to watch. He's a speedy guy, great with the ball in his hands, kind of kind of Jalen Waddle-esque, but, you know, not Jalen Waddle. As for Raheem Jarrett, I don't really see him leaving LSU. They have all the momentum right now. He's been, he's been committed with them for a while. He's got Kayshawn Boots as a running mate, and I figured they'll – want to stay together uh, but also watch for Xavier Henderson he's a 6-4 receiver out of Miami and Alabama's had a lot of good success kind of hitting that South Florida area for receivers so if Arian Smith doesn't work out keep an eye on Henderson both of them I wouldn't hold a whole bunch of hope in either one but that, there's a good chance for either uh, maybe the most important spot left in the class tight end uh, Alabama's kind of all in on five-star top 10 player in the nation Darnell Washington from Las Vegas his final three, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia. Man, I'd love to have Washington. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, that'll be so awesome. The Georgia is kind of thought to be his leader there, but he, he's been so tight-lipped that I don't think anybody really knows. The, the only thing I've noticed, he did make a comment a while back that one of his biggest deciding factors was how an offense uses their tight ends. And after the debacle of this year's offense not using tight ends at all it i'd have to think that hurts alabama but he could also look at that as i don't have much competition to be the yeah. tight end there yeah he's gonna have good plays week one uh <laughs> that's about it uh but no he, he uh he wouldn't have much competition at all like you said i feel like in different ways he would fit georgia or alabama perfectly and it's going to be it's going to come down to the wire. Georgia closes pretty well. We close pretty well, but we're pretty barren as well. But like after watching Georgia's offense this season as well, I'm not kidding. I think that I would trust Tennessee more. I can't even believe I'm saying this. I mm. trust Tennessee more as like a high caliber offensive prospect right now. I'd rather put my future in the hands of Jim Chaney in Knoxville than anyone in Athens. Yeah. If I wanted to catch a ball, I would not want to go to Georgia. Yeah. Exactly. I, seriously, they they may have had less you know tight end involvement than we did, and, and that's saying something. And they, as far as failed high ranked tight ends, Jesus, I mean, Jules, like Athens biggest. is where they go to die. I mean, j- over the past guy, probably ten cycles, it feels like. Yeah, you had what? Uh, 
Isaac Nada. Yeah, or not, I mean, not Isaac, his older brother. Yeah. Her younger brother. And then uh, Rome. Yeah. All of those guys that Alabama was all in for, they go to Georgia and they underperform for four years. Yeah. Well, they fit right in by doing so. <laughs> yeah. Maybe the most quiet prospect in the country is also a top five player in the country. Defensive end Jordan Birch. Uh, does anyone know anything about this guy's recruitment outside of the fact that their school is recruiting him? It doesn't seem like it'll really shock anyone, no matter what he does. Yeah, I don't have a clue, but I hope he picks South Carolina. I figure he'll pick Clemson just because Clemson. Yeah, but like, no, it seems like nobody knows anything. It's just everybody thinks they're in it. They kind of think they have a chance. Him and his family don't talk to anyone. It's totally up in the air. So maybe Alabama somehow pulls a stunner. I think he is from Columbia, correct? Right. So okay. He's right out of South Carolina's backyard, which could help them or it might hurt them, depending on his views of his hometown. I mean, a must champs on that hot seat. So I don't know. Maybe you get one season with your head coach and then you have to depend on them hiring somebody that's beneficial to your future after that. So. You're you're probably right. It it's it wouldn't shock me if it was Clemson, but I, I don't have it in me to hold out hope that it's anything but Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's the new Clemsoning is is that right there? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, LSU is coming hard after five star inside linebacker and Alabama commitment Demoy Kennedy. Does the LSU interest give you any pause, or do you think that's a little overblown? I, I think it's overblown. I. From what I've heard, Kennedy's about as solid as you can be. So I, I, I don't think that'll happen now. All right. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, bro. No, I was just going to say, they just need to stay the hell away. I mean, talk about tight end, not much competition. Well, there's there's pretty pretty easy uh, heights that could be achieved on the, the roster right now, you know, once he comes to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, he did come out and say that starting his freshman year is extremely important to him, which, shocker there. I mean, that's all of them. They all think they're going to come in and start immediately. But uh, he drew a pretty hard line in an article that I read that he <laughs> he wants to start his freshman year. So, a pretty good opportunity in Tuscaloosa. I don't know. but uh, Honestly, I think he very well could. Yeah, he's got the speed. He's got the aggressiveness. And I would love to see him paired with Christian Harris on yeah. base bounds and just watch the two of them dequeak people. They're, you know, Christian Harris, was a he had his freshman mistakes this year, but he was a lot of fun to watch when he'd lock onto a target and shoot into the backfield. And Kennedy's kind of got that same, I guess, chaotic and aggressive play about him. Mm -hmm. All right, Brad, I'm going to let you go first on this because we did this last season. And let me tell you, you are up one to zero on me. You, your prediction turned out a lot better than the mine did. <laughs> but, oh, boy, uh, did I freaking hit a home run <laughs> and buy a blind ass guess too. I'm not going to act like I knew nothing. Uh, DJ Dale made me look like a hero. Yeah. So <laughs> the most underrated prospect on Alabama's commitment list, sadly, Sadly, last year, I went with Antonio Alfano <laughs> when, when he was ranked. I think he was ranked in like the top 50 somewhere. Now, I will say the recruiting services agreed with me because they moved him up to the number one player in the country. So I can hang my hat a little bit on that. But uh, as we know, the, the Antonio Alfano saga did not last very long in Tuscaloosa. DJ Dell ends up starting uh, his freshman year. So, Brad, who is the most underrated prospect on Alabama's commitment list? To me, I'm looking at somebody like a Malachi Moore. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think we're going to have ample playing time again uh, this coming year, you know, with Xavier McKinney and Trayvon Diggs most likely being gone. Um, 
you know, he's coming in out of Trussell. So, hey, I, I got to keep the, uh, you know, the 205 representation going. So uh, I, I feel like Malachi Moore could be one of those guys that could come in if he grasps, you know, the playbook. I feel like he can uh, have a lot of contribute. Uh, he can have a lot of playing time early and, and, you know, make some plays as a true freshman. Brett? So I'm kind of between two guys here. The first one I'll mention, I'll say he's my runner-up, but I want to mention two on this. Uh, first is inside linebacker Jackson Bratton out of Muscle Shoals. So he, he's like 6'3", 230, very prototypical-sized, and he has about a billion tackles in two years. So when when you watch him play, he's always kind of reacting, just going that side-to-side linebacker. And I, after this year seeing so many times over and over and over of an Alabama linebacker chases a guy to the outside, they cut back in, the linebacker falls down, they get 10 yards. And Braden's kind of his best thing is chasing people to the sidelines and not letting them cut back in. But my number one guy, I'm, I'm going to go with running back Roy Dell Williams. And it's kind of crazy that a 86 overall player could be underrated, but nobody ever talks about this guy. And maybe that's just because he's been committed for so long. But he, he's 5'10", a little over 200 pounds, and the dude is just shifty. So when when you watch him play, he's got this way. He's kind of Josh Jacobs-like. And, you know, he'll be going one way, and then all of a sudden he's 45 degrees going a different direction, and it's just so fast. And let's see. I think he's got 2,700 yards in one season and then followed it up this year with about another 2,000. So the dude has a lot of experience getting a lot of yards, and he's going to be a lot of fun to watch in the future. Yeah, that's a commitment that probably a lot of our fans have kind of taken for granted over the past several months. Uh, yeah, You're right, you never hear anything about him. But uh, I think, had you asked me a week ago, I would have said safety Brian Branch, but he just got moved up significantly, like 60 spots into the top 60 players in the country. So uh, he had an incredible senior year. I mean, as good of a senior year, year as you can possibly have. But right now, uh, you mentioned him earlier as being somebody underrated. I think Seth McLaughlin. He's a three-star offensive lineman from Buford, Georgia. He's barely ranked inside the top 500, uh, but he did have offers from Alabama, Clemson, Auburn, Georgia, Florida State, LSU, Michigan, Oklahoma, Texas, and a lot of others. Um, I've heard not only was he one of the top O-linemen on Alabama's board, but he might have been the top overall lineman on Clemson's. So uh, two pretty good programs signing off on you right there. Uh, He plays with the mean streak if you watch him. He's coming out of one of the top programs in Georgia. He's the second lowest ranked player on the commitment list, but it would not surprise me at all if he carves out a role, not immediately, but sometime in the future. It's one of those interesting things with recruiting services that I haven't really figured out. And centers are kind of viewed the same way as kickers by these recruiting people. And your top centers are probably going to max out at four stars. And then your slightly under the top centers are going to be three-star guys. I I don't know why they've all kind of agreed to do that. But as a center, McLaughlin is a, I mean, he's a top center in the nation. I think uh, top 10 at the very least. All right. Well, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Todd.